0: Romans 2, verse 1 to 5. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and the forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Um, If you could just leave that from verse 1 up there, that would be great. Thank you. Now, last week... We, uh, well, the last few weeks we've heard about Paul is talking about the gospel of salvation, a righteousness that comes to us from God, which is purely by his grace. We were unrighteous, we had nothing in us re- uh, that was redeemable, and he came to us through the, his death on the cross, and he has given us his free gift of righteousness. And then last week we had a horrific passage, Romans 1 verse 18 to 32, which talked about the depths of human sin. It talked about idolatry, the way that we replace God with anything we can. And where that leads, it leads to God turning people over to their sin. In other words, when God says to us, "Okay, my punishment for you is this, you want to sin? My punishment is, I'm going to let you stay in that sin. And there's nothing more horrific than that. And now he's saying, now just in case you're using this passage from Romans 1, which talks about all this sin to go, yeah, look at those people over there. Aren't they terrible? Have a look at their sin. None of us ever do that, so maybe this is irrelevant. That's a joke. (laughs) Okay. You have no excuse, oh man. Why does he say, oh man? Because he's talking to the males. No, he's men, you men, you know, oh man, when you talk about oh man, it's like, uh, you human being, here's God, He's human beings, right? You, oh man, you created one, think you can judge other people. Later in Romans, in Romans 9, he actually says, and who are you, oh man, to talk back to God? In other words, who are you to question his wisdom? Who are you to question his ways? Who are you to try and take his place as judge. What human being can be the judge of men and women? Their actions? Only God is ever that judge. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to a church in Rome that's made up of Jews and Gentiles. It's often spoken about, and he really deals with that issue in chapters 9 to 11. We'll get to that in a couple of months' time. But... Often the Jews were the ones who looked down on the Gentiles and we can go into a big spiel about that. But the reality is this is relevant for us all because in the Christian church, do you judge other people? Don't put your hand up, just nod. Do we judge other people on the basis of their sin? Now we've been talking today about wrong teaching and and I want to tell you actually the, the the apostles in the, in the New Testament books deal far more harshly. They threaten hellfire for those who have false teaching. But strangely enough, for those who are stuck in sin, there's a message of grace. Can you hear that? But what are we most likely to judge people on the basis of? Their sin. Have a look at what they've done. So we say things like that. How could a person do such a thing? Or even the more the, the more pious one, the one's good. How could a Christian do such a thing? <laughs> yep. Right. What's the problem with that? Have a look at yourself. That's what Paul's saying. Have a look at yourself. Look at that list of sins. We went through that sins uh, that that list last week. Um, and and what we're saying is, look at the action of another person. They don't deserve to be saved. They're idolatrous. They're sexually immoral. They are disobedient to their parents. Oh, we don't say that one. That's not really a sin nowadays, is it? Okay. no. Well, actually, we always pick on the sin that really annoys us, don't we? And if you're really, really annoyed about another person's sin, you might find that that's the one you struggle with most yourself. And you want to make them worse than yourself. But that's just a little side point. Okay. Because what it's saying is that... What we're saying in this, when we judge other people, is the righteousness never it came from me. I'm the one. It didn't come from God. I'll explain it more. Okay. He says this, but not only that. Okay. I'll just stop and get my head in order. We agree that we were given and we were saved by God's gift of righteousness. True? Yeah. But he's not just talking about that. He's not just talking about looking down at other people who are outside, who are sinners. He says, not only that, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Do you notice there he didn't say, you used to practice the same things. You practice the same things now. Can you hear that? Now, last week, some of the things we heard about were idolatry, sexual immorality, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossip, slander, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient, beating the parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. <laughs> okay. Well, you kind of hope that a Christian doesn't do all those things. Is that true? But there's one issue here, and that is, do you give in to any of those? Are they an issue? Any of, like, I mean, look at, let's look at some of the. Do we ever have items? Do we ever lift things up as more exciting and more important than God? Anything else? Okay. Do we ever have lust? Anybody? Anybody here do malicious talk where you talk badly about another person? Anybody here ever have envy? Jealousy, you know. Anybody murder? Well Jesus said if you if you call someone a fool, you murder them in spirit. Any murderers here? <laughs> just me. Deceit. Deceiving someone. Not not telling a straight out lie. Deceiving is just when you when you just tell that bit of the truth that makes it kind of real, right? Okay? You know? Gossip. Speaking about someone. The great thing about gossip is if you gossip about someone you feel above them don't you? But of course he's talking about the non-Christians, yeah? Can you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I'm not talking about you talking about those who are non-Christians and you're a Christian who've got it all together. You are passing judgment. You are practicing the same things right now and you're passing judgment on others. And this is the problem with it. This is the point, right? I'm about to tell you the point of the passage. If we're saved by grace... And we are saved by grace. And if we are saved by his utter kindness, not because there was a skerrick of goodness in ourselves, if we're saved by grace when we were totally lost and dead in our sins, and we were, and if we're saved by grace because of his complete kindness and love and grace, if we were saved by a righteousness that comes from God, and then we look at another person and see them in their sin and say they're unworthy, what we're really saying is we're saved by ourselves, by our own goodness. Because we deserved it and not by the grace of God. Can you see that? We are judging ourselves and we're killing ourselves by judging people by their sin. We're denying that we're saved by grace because we're saying they can't be saved by grace. So therefore, how can I be? Do you get what I'm saying? It's a really big point. We're doing it all the time. Okay, so the boat sunk and there's 20 people swimming around in the water. Yep, drowning. And a helicopter comes and, and winches you up, pulls you up to safety. There's 20 foot waves, you know, you're way out to sea. And, you, and you're up in the helicopter and you're looking down at the 19 that are left there and you think, look at those pathetic weak people. They should take swimming lessons, they'd be able to save themselves. Yep. And then every now and again, to make it worse, you, you just suddenly dive back in the water and the helicopter winches you out again and then you look down at those people and you say, look at those idiots. What are they doing? They should learn to swim. Yeah, Is that stupid? That's completely stupid. When we judge another person on the basis of their sin, when we ourselves know that we're saved by grace, that's exactly what we're doing. Do you get it? Yeah. We are saved. Thank you, anne We are saved by the pure grace and kindness and love of God who sent his son to die for us while we were yet sinners. And if we think then, having been saved by his grace, that we can look down on another person in their sin, we are insulting the grace of God. We're saying that the cross is worthless because I saved myself by my goodness. Jesus is unnecessary. I'm good enough to save myself. And we're saying that the gospel is a lie. We must not judge people on the basis of their sin because we're saying they're unworthy of salvation. Because the fact is, we are not worthy of salvation. That's what grace is. It's, sorry, it's a 1.7 today. It's a really important one. Um, sorry, uh, I haven't said it yet. You know, when it comes to judging people on their sins, pastors and their wives are the worst. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm not having a go at all you. But I want, I want to jump into a little bit of a tangent because does that judgment mean that you can't really say that something's right or wrong? Right? Just judgment mean you can never say, well, actually what you're doing is wrong. Um, uh, about ugh, six months ago, do you ever get these scam texts on your phone? I got this text on my phone from Westpac Bank. Well, it was from an un- just a, a normal 04 mobile number. and it said it was from Westpac Bank. Someone has hacked my password. Please type in my password. Send that off so that they can reset it to a new one. I don't bank with Westpac, by the way. <laughs> okay. So I sat down and I looked at it. Oh, these mongrels, right. So I sent them a Bible verse. Uh, Leviticus nineteen eleven: Do not lie, do not steal, do not deceive one another. <laughs> Within one minute, I got a text back. And it said, judge not lest thee be judged. <laughs> now how about that? The cheek of the people. <laughs> now actually, the truth is, they were lying and cheating and deceiving one another. They were lying and stealing. That's what they were doing. They were trying to take my money. Or if anybody was with Westpac, who we may be convinced. Uh, but I, we can say lying and cheating and, and, and stealing and deceiving one another is wrong. It is a sin. Okay. We can't say... Therefore, you deserve not to be saved by God. That's where it becomes a problem. Can you see what I'm saying? But we still call sin, sin, don't we? Because it is. And I'll go back to it. When we talk about false teaching, actually Paul and John and Peter spend a lot of time telling you, watch out for false teachers. They're not saying um, uh, about wrong doctrines. They're, They're saying, Get Jesus right. Why? Because so often the false teachers were doing one thing. They were undermining the gospel. They were undermining the grace of God. And anyone who undermines the grace of God is in great trouble. Do you understand? The same is here by looking down on others. We can call actions wrong. We can discern teaching wrong. What we don't have the right to do is to say, this person is not worthy of salvation. They have out sinned God because that's not for us to decide. That's his judgment. So we do make judgments. We do make judgments on the basis of God's word. We don't make judgments on people. We don't make uh, judgments on their salvation. We are saved by grace, by God's alien gift. That alien meant it come from out of this world basically. It was given from somewhere that we couldn't access on our own He gave us a gift of righteousness. And therefore, I'll I'll go back to verse 2, it says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Yes, we know that it's right that God judges sins. We know that these sins are wrong but we don't judge others. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? In other words, by judging other people in that way, you're looking down on the grace of God and you're putting yourself in a place which is very dangerous. For Jesus said, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's a frightening verse, isn't it? Because we can be pretty harsh on people sometimes. And if God judged us on the basis of how harsh we were, we'd be all frying in hell. True? So, do not judge people on the basis of their sin. Use the grace of God and the forgiveness of God... As your measure, When you see that sinner doing whatever sin it is, you go, now there's a person who can be saved by the grace of God. I can tell them about Jesus. Yeah? Can they be saved? Are they, or are they beyond salvation? If we think they're beyond salvation, we'll only tell them about hell. We won't tell them about Jesus, will we? Because uh, in, in Amos 4, which is also quoted in the verse that Alex read out this morning, he says... Uh, we, we were snatched like a burning stick from the fire. Imagine you've got the fire there and you chuck a stick on the fire and it's on fire and you know within minutes it's going to be ash. And God snatched us from that fire like that. He says, I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and you were as a brand plucked out of the burning." Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I saved you from the fire by my grace. So live by grace and praise his glorious grace and use grace as the measure because grace is who God is. If we reject grace, we reject the gospel. If we reject the gospel, we're rejecting God. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness, this is verse 4 of the passage, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that god's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance okay god's kindness leads you to repentance not the threat of hell did you hear that god's kindness leads you to repentance. His love and His grace, the forgiveness is what will lead us to repent. I tell you, no one will repent unless they know there's a Saviour who can save them from their sins. They will run a mile from it. Because you see, what it is, it's like there's a death penalty we're facing and if we own up and admit to it, we die straight away. Unless you know there's a kindness of a God who has taken your place, you won't own up ever. But once you know the kindness of God, you can actually own up to your sin and go, I'm a sinner. I'm wrong. Thank God for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get that? So God's kindness, his forbearance and his patience, God is so patient with us. Do you ever get that feeling? Like, look what I did today. Again, like I did yesterday and the day before. And God still hasn't walked out on me. He is incredibly patient, isn't he? If he treated us, like if, if someone else treated me like I treat God, I'd do my block. Yeah? What in South Australia say? I'd go bunta. Do you have that word up here? <laughs> right. He treats us so kindly and patiently. It says he had forbearance, and I had to look that up in the dictionary. Ready for forbearance? It's abstaining from the enforcement of a right. God has a right to crush us and destroy us and he abstains from that. Instead, he sent his son. Yeah? He should have killed us, but he didn't. He had a right to, but he didn't. And his wrath or his anger came down on Jesus. And it's that kindness that leads us to repentance. That is a change of mind, away from the way we were running, away from idolatry, away from sin, to Jesus. And that comes again, i say it, because of incredible kindness. It, so God does not take us on a guilt trip. He doesn't manipulate us. He doesn't even frighten us into salvation. Otherwise, we'd be saved to a God who was permanently angry with us and we'd always be afraid, wouldn't we? We are saved by grace, so we should live by grace and we should preach grace and we should evangelise with grace and then we will get people who are drawn to repentance by his grace. Now, this practically works out. It's late, I know, but we'll just finish this off. Kids. You've got kids. Just say, there's a, a lot of parents here today. Do you use guilt trips on your children to move them? Okay. Husbands, do you use guilt trips on your wives? Wives on husbands, perhaps. Why? Because you want to get them to change. You want them to get them to repent, don't you? Do you ever think of using kindness? Did you ever actually think about forgiving as God forgave us? That that actually might, that might change? There, it came a time, somewhere in my marriage, because I, I was a goat, in my marriage, that means I was well headed or whatever else, all over the place. And one time I just thought, maybe what will happen if I don't argue back? What happens if I actually show love and grace? Don't try that. Yeah, no, do. do. What happens if you use the gospel to teach your children? What if you use the gospel as the basis? For all of life. So when someone does something wrong, and husbands and wives are always doing stuff wrong, and kids are always doing something wrong, what if you actually use kindness in the face of sin as a thing to come back with? i tell you what's going to happen. It's going to be good. There's going to be constant reconciliations and joy. Yeah? To show forbearance, which means when we have a right to be angry because we really have been wronged, And we abstain from our right. And we show love and grace. Why would we do that? Because that's what God does with us. How often? (laughs) Every hour? Every minute? I don't know. We were brought to our knees by God's kindness. That is who we are. We live in the grace of God. And we are to live in the grace of God. And when we look at others, sinners, and there are lots of sinners in this world, like Romans one. What do we want for them? Do we want them to be burned? Or do we want them to be saved? So how, if we want them to be saved, then if we can, we preach to them the grace of God. And if we can't get to them, if we haven't got the ability, we pray for them. Pray from what? To be burned, no to be saved. Yeah We don't want other people condemned and judged. Why? Because we ourselves were saved by grace. So we love our enemies. The enemies are actually people who do really horrible stuff to us. That's the ones we love. Because we're better than them. No, not because we're better than them. You see, Paul called himself the chief of sinners. Why would he call himself the chief of sinners? Like, I'm the absolute worst. I actually think he called himself that because he believed it. He believed he was the worst. He knew it. And he knew that God could save him. So how could he look down on another person? Now the thing is, with us, we see—I see my sin more than any other person's sin in this room. I, I you just do. I see—I see my failures all the time, and I, I just I, I, internally, I'm doing head drops all the time because he said that, you did that. <sighs> yeah, I see my sin, and 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 I—I I, I think I can say with honesty, I, I, my sin's worse than any of yours. So what right have I got to judge another person? Look at what you're doing wrong. You don't deserve God. If I say that, grace is worthless. So in verse 5 he says, But because of your heart and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. There will be a great judgment, and the punishment is mostly on those who do not stick by the grace of God in the gospel." That's what he's saying. If you're looking down on other people's sin, if you're ignoring the gospel which saved you, that's not a good place to be. That's an understatement. If you don't hold that the gospel is supreme, if you start writing off people because of their sin, when you do the same things, you are undermining grace. We've got to learn to look at people, look at our families, look at our friends, look at our communities, look at the world through gospel eyes. Because gospel eyes is God's eyes. He is the God of grace and mercy. He's the God of love. We can't define people by their sin. We see them through Christ and the gift of righteousness that he's given us that he can give others to. And so we pray for them. And we pray that God will treat them the same way as he treated us by his incredible grace. I'm going to pray. Father, we want to give you thanks for your grace. We didn't deserve it. We just want to confess up this morning. And Father, we want to confess to you that it's our natural tendency to sin. We do all those things there. We're never deserving of you. And so, Father, we just want to praise and thank you for the salvation you've brought to us through Jesus. There is nothing better. We are so thankful for it. We're so thankful for your kindness, for your patience, for your forbearance on us. And, Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would teach us to be people who put the gospel first, the gospel centre. Father, that we would look at every other person through that gospel. And, Father, that we would be gracious people, patient with one another, and speaking the truth of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. And I'm proud to say, Jesus died.